not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Enmu, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 46 of the podcast and it's going to be an exciting one because this time we're doing something different from Easterlings, which I'm sure many of you uh, will be excited about because um, I've been running on this kind of, uh, I guess it's a, a building up or a whatever it, uh, you want to call it. But either way, the last four or five, maybe even six um, episodes have been all about uh, uh, the Easterlings from Ardacom. Uh, way back in uh, uh, August, all the way up to now, I've been uh, basically playing uh, uh, playing Middle Earth uh, strategy battle game games exclusively with the Easterling army, whether it's 600, 700, 800, 900 even. Um, but now we're up to 1,000. I've got to do something different because this is part of um, something I do on, I've been doing on my YouTube channel over the last year. And if you've never encountered the YouTube channel, do consider it, uh, giving it a look. It's uh, called Battle Games in Middle Earth. Um, it actually preceded the podcast, hence why I say at the start of this podcast, Entmute uh, Battle Games in Middle Earth podcast about the Middle Earth strategy battle game. And um, because uh, I, I started that many years ago as basically uh, a way of chart, sort of charting my um, journey into podcasting. It's kind of merged into something else now it's become uh, you know a gen- general YouTube channel so um, one of the videos on it is my ruffian building challenge yes that's right uh, at the start of the year I uh, decided I want to do a thousand points of ruffians take them to throne of skulls um, which is a an annual tournament or oh, used to be annual anyway it wasn't during covid um uh, a tournament at Warhammer World which is a thousand points and the whole thing about Throne of Skulls is it um, basically measures or judges you on your hobbying your sportsmanship general sportsmanship as well as your your competitive gaming ability so in the past I won this uh, tournament I took um, I took the Fellowship of the Ring and I, I was playing against a variety of different opponents, including some of the um, Games Workshop staff. And I took the Fellowship of the Ring and I loved it. It was great fun. I beat some people. I think I won three games, including uh, against Jay Clare, um, which was crazy. Um, he was the ringer and he got like a, a camel based army. And I had, uh, I had the Fellowship and I beat him in Domination, which was an objective one. So that was good. Um, but that is all behind me now and ahead of me is this weekend's throne of schools which is going to be great because i've got a thousand points of ruffians and i've been building these up for a very very long time and um, it feels like forever and there's so much theme and and thought gone into the army and uh, the painting i've actually put an awful lot of effort into it i mean maybe it doesn't tie together nicely as uh, some armies probably will do at the weekend but I'm really proud of uh, everything I've done with this army. So uh, it's going to be a great tournament. I'm looking forward to it. So with that in mind, let's build an army. So as I've said, 
a thousand points of ruffians is the objective we've got five games to play at a thousand points and uh, we don't know the scenarios in advance and they're going to be chosen randomly as per the match play guide so one faction won't be used i'm hoping that will uh, faction i mean pool of uh, missions won't be used and i'm hoping that that will be the one with lords of battling because lords of battle ain't gonna be easy with this army so uh, with that in mind let's uh, channel our way through all of these uh, these uh, war bands because there's a lot of them so first warband is going to be Sharky and Worm. Uh, this is the Chiefs Ruffians by the way, this is the Legendary Legion and I did toy with not doing the Legendary Legion but I mean, it's just just not not. it's just a terrible idea so I I, I, I was intending to do it before the, the book came out but I think with the Legendary Legion it now actually makes it sort of decent. So, um, the Chief Ruffians, um, so they get a few extra bonuses which I'll talk about at the end so first of all we get Sharky and Worm um, so Sharky is is, is Ga- Saruman. Um, he's only got four will. He's not got a staff of power anymore. He does still have transfix on a two plus, which is pretty good. Um, and he also has terrifying aura, um, which is you know, I guess it could be useful in certain circumstances. But there's not a lot of armies that I think I'm going to allow to charge him. Um, I'm more worried about him being shot out and sniped at and things like that. Um, anyway, uh, he's alongside Worm, who is Wormtongue, who is basically a, a ruffian. So he's, you know, courage to fight one or two, um, uh, strength three, defense three. Um, he does have a special rule, which is pretty smart, um, which if you can get him in combat um, with one person on their own and no other enemy model can see Worm, um, and he is quite a low profile, so it's it's, it's very small model so it's not impossible then he actually gains attacks he gains three attacks which is pretty cool um so he, he, that, that's pretty cool i i'll go, try and make it happen but i don't know whether that'll be possible um anyway in his warband is six ruffians with bow so they hit on fives normally um six is when they move so i don't really care about blinding light so a lot of bows and i can shoot into combat and my guys are pretty expendable so that's pretty cool uh, i've got six ruffians with bow eight ruffians on their own and with a mixture of the cleavers which i'm calling act because I think they are. Maybe they're meant to be knives, but you certainly wouldn't faint with them. So uh, cleaver seems more appropriate. Um, then I've got uh, most of them with clubs, I believe. Um, then uh, ruffians with whip. There'll be three of them as well. The whips are a one-inch range, strength one throwing weapon. So, you know, you're basically you're more likely to kill your, your friend when you're charging into combat than you're likely to kill anything else. But still, it's, it's an extra dice to throw. So that's cool. So there's 18 in that warband. Then we've got Sid Briarthorn, the ruffian chief. He's the only hero in the list that is fight four. He's strength four and he's defense four. So he's 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 tanky by the rest of the list, uh, by the comparison of the rest of the list. He also counts as a banner and he has two might. Um, but apart from that, oh, he, he doesn't count for a banner for himself, only for other ruffians. And um, so that's pretty good. Uh, other than that, he's useless. I mean, I'm expecting for him to literally just be sitting around at the back being my points uh, calling moves and stuff uh, maybe maybe getting in combat occasionally then uh, with him are five ruffians with bow seven ruffians and three ruffians whip uh, the next warband is rowan thistlewood a ruffian enforcer and um, he actually can call her free heroic combats if you're against hobbits so i mean unless i'm playing the fellowship of the ring which is a distinct possibility to be fair at throne of schools I don't get any free um, heroic combats, but I could set a building on fire. He has a special rule that if he's next to um, either an area, terrain of wood, uh, a piece of terrain which is woodland, 
um, or he's next to a building, he can roll a dice and on three plus it sets on fire and anything that's either in that terrain, in that building or touching it is immediately set ablaze. So pretty epic if you can get it. But of course you have to tell everyone at the start of the game that he does this and then people go, ooh, I'll best avoid that guy because he can set fire to stuff. Um, but I'd like to think that it's possible. Um, it's just whether I can remember to do it with uh, amid moving 139 models. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, along with him, we've got four ruffians with bow, six ruffians, two ruffians with whip. Bill Fernie is the next warband. He's got a kind of anti-madrill thing where he gives people a minus one to their uh, deployment in Maelstrom of Battle. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, he's just one might, one will, one fate, fight three, you know, so pretty crap usually, two wounds. Um, then he's got four ruffians with bow, six ruffians, and two with whip. Then Lotho Sackville Baggins, a hobbit in the list, he's leading some ruffians as well. Lotho's actually a bit of a sleeper hit. He uh, In practice games, he's been really good because he can spend, uh, of his four will, he can spend one will per turn, and he creates like a little fearless bubble where everyone passes their next courage check. Um, within three inches which is pretty sweet I, I mean they've got a very low courage this army uh, they get a plus one when they're not broken because of the legion and they can use uh, Sharky's um, courage within six inches of him um, which is a four uh, courage four but fearless is pretty useful especially if you've got harbinger or anything like that kicking about uh, so Lotho actually a sleeper success I like the I like him next is Ted Sandyman Ted Sandyman he's an evil hobbit but he's not so evil that he's leading ruffians t- into battle. The reason I've got him and um, to keep the theme is because essentially um, you need all the heroes before you can start taking empty war- uh, or warbands of ruffians without leaders. So that's what I've done. Ted Sandyman, and he comes with three Hobbit militia. So you know, um, just because yeah, it's nice to have some friends. Then um, Harry Goatleaf is next again, n- another little sleeper kind of guy that you might think is going to be crap but actually he's pretty good he's got one might one will one fate uh two wounds and uh fight three strength three all that sort of stuff um he has a special power though which is his lantern which essentially on a three plus you can stop uh, within six inches you can stop someone from moving now this isn't a magical power it just literally is that it is roll a dice within uh, six inches um your target is is can't move this turn on a three plus which is pretty interesting uh, you can't do it to monsters but you can do it to people so aragorn rocks up Pfft, no on a three plus you can't do anything can't resist it can't might it can't do anything about it obviously call a the heroic move to make sure you go first but other than that oh it's pretty good so um he's only got three will but that could be really really useful to stop big heroes or or uh, characters from moving and uh, you know maybe even blocks and channels off or whatever uh, either way it would be uh, interesting then we've got four ruffians with bow with him six ruffians and two with whip and um, just if you're noticing a pattern with these um uh, war bands it's four ruffians with bow six ruffians and two with whip is because that's what you get in the box then uh war band eight so we've got more to go we've got four ruffians with bow six ruffians uh on their own and two with whip then war band nine four ruffians with bow six without two with whip and 10 is four ruffians with bow six ruffians and two with whip and then 11 is four ruffians with bow six ruffians and two with whip so that's 139 models which is pretty pretty incredible eight points of might which is pretty trash um and i i, I like that don't you think that is pretty good so um 
Yeah, you've got a couple of heroes that could be useful. Harry Goatleaf, uh, Lotho in particular, and obviously Sharky has a bit of magic, and Sid Brighton's a banner. But there's no spear supports, but you do have 139 models. So all I need to do here is send forth all legions of ruffians, swamp everything, and hope for the best. Because I'm not... I mean, I'm, not, I'm being realistic. I I think there are some scenarios which are probably going to be very hard for my opponents to win there are some scenarios which are next to impossible for me to win so i'm talking lords of battle is an auto lose for me i think um and any scenario that ends on 25 percent requiring um objectives i've probably got in the bag because if it ends on 25 percent, i've still got get this 34 models on the table if there's five or six objectives i've got a good chance of getting all of those so yeah i like i like my odds i like my odds um in terms of the whole the whole thing about this tournament is trying to be fun and trying to be you know uh nice and fun to play against and having something different and all that sort of stuff i like to think people will enjoy the fact that you know they've never played a ruffian army before because not many people do it i mean i've seen occasionally people do but is it is it going to be fun i don't know because I, I really don't want this to be a negative play experience for everyone because when when you're on an objective game and you've got 130 models to face then you, you could probably think oh well i'm gonna lose then aren't i um and i hope that i hope that that isn't horrible and i kind of i started this project just thinking oh lol wouldn't that be funny um and i've ended it thinking oh i hope this isn't unpleasant because it actually might be quite a good army because i've got lots of bows and i can shoot into combat i've got 43 bows and 22 whips so you know aragorn charges into guy or guy charges into aragorn um 43 bows or probably more likely 20 or something bows because i've just got very little space to keep all these bows uh, you know 20 bows shooting at that ruffian means that aragon can't do his heroics and just is a bit useless so um there's little mean things like that but i don't know maybe it will be fun i like to think so um, and i like to think that people will like the army in terms of the theme you know it, this is inspired by lots of people which i haven't mentioned yet and um, the ruffian challenge um is essentially lots of people who watch the youtube videos and who wanted to get involved i put the appeal out there and asked the community if if you want me to paint your ruffians and i, I mean i surprised myself really that, that there were enough people out there who watch my videos and like me and and said yeah i'll do that and they trusted me and um, so all these people have, have bought ruffians sent them to me i've painted them over the course of 12 months and now i'm taking them out and i hope that that the idea that people have asked for different color schemes and so on will be enough to make people think yeah this is a nice nice army and it's not just because you're you know gaming it to try and have some advantage in objective based scenarios so fingers crossed and um, i'm looking forward to it and particularly because i'm bringing a costume and um, i'm going to be dressed up as sharky because it's a thing people do it um people do costumes at um throne of school so um i think i'll i'll give it a go i'll get my costume out and i'm looking forward to it so um with that in mind um we'll head off on our journey soon but first riddles in the dark That's right, it's Riddles in the Dark, and this is the part of the podcast where I play a clip that uh, is from either The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings movies, and you've got to tell me who speaks next and what they say. Here was last time's clip. 
Yes, that's right. That was the clip. And as I've hinted at in the previous podcast, um, there's going to be a reason for each uh, bit, um, uh, each sort of clip uh, in the future, just to give you a little bit of a hint. Um, So let's delve into the inbox um, for this one, because it's actually swelling. Um, it's, it's getting a bit too much, actually. There's quite a lot of people who got in touch for this one. Maybe it was too easy. Either way, uh, there's not just um, answers to the riddle in the dark involved in this one. So we'll we'll delve into it and have a look. So first of all, let's get in touch with Ivo Bulk. Um, Ivo says, after two wins for the riddle in the dark, I thought it'd be a shame to break a winning streak and then proceeds to go... The answer to the riddle is... You've got it right, Ivo. Well done. Um, Jason got in touch. He says, Morning, listen to your latest podcast, and I certainly prefer you taking the same army over time. Gives a more insightful view of the game as you learn its strengths and weaknesses, as opposed to some of those earlier tournaments when it was often just a bin bag of model approach to lists. Um, All the best. Jason. Jason, um, uh, who, by the way, is one of the uh, ruffian providers uh, so thank you so much jason for that um yeah i i, I agree I, I i responded to you uh, on this when we had a bit of a chat didn't we um I, I i think i think you're right um i think this becomes it becomes more of a competitive podcast then doesn't it it means that i'm more kind of in in tune with the the army and kind of understanding what i'm going on about so you know uh, with the easterlings over the last sort of four or five episodes i feel like i am getting better and better um whether or not they're you know as good as they could be or I or I can make them I don't know but um, I agree I'm definitely getting better with them and maybe making more sensible choices and perhaps being a bit a bit meaner on myself when I lose games and things like that because I, I know what I've done wrong and then maybe I can learn from it next time so glad you're liking that Jason and I, I, this episode is obviously different but uh, maybe I will go back to the uh, Easterlings in fact I think I probably will. There's there's a big book on the horizon, isn't there? So um, anyway, uh, let's move on back to Riddles in the Dark. Um, long-time listener, says Curtis H. Uh, long-time listener, second time emailing in. After the embarrassment of being the only person to get the Riddles in the Dark incorrect on the last podcast, I'm going to give it another go. This week, I reckon it's at Amon Hen. Hmm. And the next words are either dot, 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 or someone saying dot, dot, dot. Ooh, perhaps both. Um you are absolutely correct, correct, Curtis. Uh, he says, shame about the latest escapades with the Eastlings. Keep persevering. I'm rooting for them. Thanks, Curtis. Um, and you get the, the idea right as well. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Jakob Krokschmal, I think I'm pronouncing that right, has been in touch. And this is quite a long one. Um, I'm not going to uh, uh, read the whole thing because it's quite long. But uh, Jakob has been in touch saying, I really like listening to your podcast, especially ones I'm having a tournament winners interview in. Ha ha ha. Winky face. Um, yeah, Jakob's been on the podcast a, a few, oh, it must have been a while ago. It was pre-COVID, I'd, I'd have thought. Um, just a few days ago, I made an entirely sound and logical decision of going to war, despite promising myself not to fly to uh, GBHL tournaments this season. It saddens me I won't have an opportunity to get another one of those, should I have won or played you, of course. But coming to the point, I believe you've already visited and documented a lot of tournaments in the UK already. Perhaps you'd be interested in venturing a bit further out to play some toy soldiers and, of course, document it as well um, in the Polish tournaments. And then goes on to sort of tell an awful lot of detail about uh, Polish tournaments. Um, uh, he says, blah, 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 blah. Uh, as a frequent visitor to GBH tournaments, I'd really love to get some traffic on the opposite direction as well, especially while I'm in charge of a tournament. And also believe it'd be an interesting experience just as going to my first GBHL tournament was for me. Um, of course... 
Yeah, oh, you've pointed out your first GBL tournament uh, was uh, doubles in which we both played together. Yeah, which I do remember. And, of course, my invitation and offer will help with anything extends to anyone else who may want to travel. I'll also make an English rules pack and post in the GBHL group soon, although not much hope with that. Uh, So what uh, do you think about that? If you have any questions, there's the chance to convince you and just message me. And so Jakub has offered for me to go over to Poland. And you know what? I, I have thought that I would like to go and travel. Um, I definitely do, and the answer isn't no. It's just that it's uh, it's it's just finding the time and the weekends to do it, and and I guess doing and jumping off, you know, and actually doing it. It's because it's a scary sort of prospect going to a different country and and doing it. And I appreciate you've done it, um, Jacob, and I'd like to think that I'd be uh, okay at doing it. I just think it's um, one of those things that uh, it takes a lot of extra planning which i'm not very good at um and also it takes a lot of extra approval uh, i should say from um my other half and you know I, I it's it's already enough that i go away for weekends um uh, across the uk but then traveling the world to play toy soldiers um without my girlfriend to be able to come with her with me is probably a bit of an ask but i i do intend to do some in fact i have an irish tournament in the um offing for next year which uh, I'm going to turn into a holiday with with uh, Louise. Um, so maybe Poland's on the horizon. We'll see. But either way, I really appreciate the invite, and hopefully someone else will be willing to do it as well. Elsewhere, um, Michael uh, Haskell's been in touch. He says, you probably said an end moot, but were you trying to make Eastlings purely work? Their green alliance with Mordor, which is an extensive array of options to draw upon, and wondered if that could address some of the challenges you've identified with them. Michael, uh, very good point. Um, yes, I have been trying to make green Eastlings work, or at least Eastlings with canned, and the reason is simply aesthetics. I love Eastlings and the way they look, and I love chariots because they look really cool. So that is why I've gone with um, those two and haven't ever allied Mordor in. I also think that once you ally Mordor in, you're kind of admitting that the Eastlings pike block and stuff isn't very good. And once you've done that, you kind of think you lose the the sort of um, pike bonus thing that they get of being three ranks deep and not having to back away and all that sort of not trapping yourself. And I kind of think, well, once you've done that, you've got, you know, a nine point or whatever it is, um, fight three guy. And yeah, they're defense six, but. And Moran and Orcs the same, and it's fight, and it's strength four, defense six, fight whatever it is, what two three whatever it is. Um, so I kind of think they're just not as good as long as they're out of the pike. But I, I agree. Um, it, I I should probably have addressed alliances, and maybe I will do an alliance at some point. Who knows? Right, riddles in the dark. Let's carry on. Um, Sam Hoodie says, "Ooh, we knows, we knows." Shut up! It's the dot dot dot. Very good. Yes, Sam, I like your way of introducing that, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, let's move on before we uh, uh, we get back in. Uh, Hamish Gentles has been in touch. He says, hi, Harry. Apologies for the lack of riddle entries. I let the podcast backlog get a little bit full, so I've not been submitting any answers. Sounds like a good thing due to the pumpkin gate that has arisen. Yes, this was about uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, riddles, which was about uh, the uh, mind the pumpkin question. Anyway, this episode's riddle was pretty easy, he says. All the Lord of the Rings ones are. That is very true. Who couldn't recognise Vigo's dulcet grunts? With that being said, my initial guess was going to be Lurtz screaming, find the halflings. That is something someone else has suggested. However, upon review of the scene, as it would be rude not to, Amon Hen is one of the best scenes. I'll go with 
dot 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 Ooh, keep up the good works riddles again at the end of the podcast is a welcome addition too yes i agree I'll, I'll be putting this one at the end of the podcast as well just to give everyone help if you're driving and you can add it to the end and just listen right at the end if you want to catch up an email in brilliant um yes you're absolutely correct i've obviously obscured it for reasons of helping others and building up the suspense but hamish you're on the list well done uh, now we've got another one. This is a longie. Uh, this is from Colin Buchendorf. Uh, cool. Uh, hi, Harry. I'm a fledgling member of the MESBG community from St. Louis, Missouri in the US. Greetings from over the pond. Uh, I've really enjoyed your podcast and those of the other great content creators who have helped me dip my toe into this great game a little easier. Oh, great. I'm glad. Glad you think so. I've listened to many of your riddles and never had the first clue, Many mainly due to my lack of enthusiasm for the Hobbit movies. Yeah, fair enough. So I was ecstatic when I immediately placed this clip. I'd recognise that crescendo and whiffed sword swing anywhere. The audio captures the moment after Aragorn tells Frodo to run at the climax of the Fellowship of the Ring. Dot, 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 dot. Uh, and he gets it absolutely correct. On a side note, I have really enjoyed the recent focuses on the Easterlings, as I finally finished painting my Easterling army just a few months ago, and they are to be my first attempt at a competitive list. Ooh, if you're really trying to be competitive... I'd advise against these links. But, you say, I've done enough homework to know that they can be a struggle to make work. Good. Uh, but the aesthetic and feel of a rank of pikes has compelled me to give it a go. Agreed. This is exactly what I think. Good luck with them in the future. Give a poor rookie like me some hope that Eastlings can win. Um, well, I haven't given you a lot of hope so far. But, you know, maybe in the future I will. And I think on the horizon, we've got a good chance. Um then uh thank you very much colin uh, that was a really nice email and well done on getting the riddle correct um george kaufman there's so many uh has been in touch hi harry i listened to your most recent podcast and i think i know the riddle in the dark the scene is amon hen when aragon starts fighting the urukai and the next person he speaks is lurts who says find the halflings find the halflings cheers george kaufman and i'm afraid george you're not right i don't think maybe you are I can't remember. We'll find out in a second. Uh, I know, I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, I, I'm trying to think now. Because I'm, I'm, I've been speaking on this for 10 minutes, I've forgotten which bloody order it goes in. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next one. Either way, uh, George, thank you very much for getting in touch. Really appreciate it. Holger Neumann has been in touch. Lots of German-sounding names today. We've had uh, Holger Neumann, George Kaufmann, Colin Buchendorf. Um It's great. It's got lots of lots of people from all over the world. Uh, Evo Bulk. Um, sorry if you're not all from Germany and you're all... Uh, either way, you all uh, got cool um, continental-sounding names, which is get ace. Um, Holger Neumann's been in touch. Second time I'm responding to your riddle, and I almost forgot to send in the answer again. Uh, yesterday I saw your video about your ruffians, and because today is the Warhammer main event, I really need to send the mail now. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely correct. You just got this pipped into the post uh, just before the uh, uh, the final deadline before the tournament starts. Um so I really need to send the mail now. When your riddle started, I immediately knew the scene. I think I've watched this scene a hundred times because it's my favourite one of the whole trilogy. Even listening to the music, I got shivers. And when the riddle stopped, I raised my arm and screamed, Elendil! Like Aragorn does when jumping into the Urukai. I'm wishing you good luck for today's event and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Greetings from Germany. So you think it's Aragorn screaming Elendil. Now, that's interesting. I don't think it is because... Um, that I think does that not come a bit later I'm, I'm not sure whether he says anything maybe you're right maybe he does scream Elendil if so I might need to reconsider things I don't think it is though um, he says I'm wishing good luck for today's event and looking forward to the next episode thank you Holger Neumann and finally on this just pipped into this morning uh, hi Harry I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time this is from uh, Henk Vink that's a cool name um, 
like and quite some time now and i really like your content thank you as masbg events are scarce in the netherlands your podcast scratches an itch i didn't know i had haha <laughs> yeah fair enough as i usually listen to you on my commute i was never on time with the riddle in the dark that has changed now for me the music gave the setting away immediately and with aragorn's grunt the scene was set i'm fairly confident I am, of course, talking about the ambush at Amonhain when Aragorn boldly faces Dunsvorakai by himself. The next person to speak is then Samwise Gamgee, shouting, Mr. Frodo, just before he hears the clattering of swords. Again, thanks for putting in the time to provide so many of us with tournament entertainment. Sincerely, Henk Vink. And he's put a, a, an Instagram handle, I think, at henks.hobbyhoek. Uh, Hobbyhoek, Hobbyhoek. H-O-E-K, either way. Um, Hank, thanks very much for getting in touch. You've got an awesome name and you've got the riddle right. Let's have a listen to the clip in full. There you go, there you go. It was indeed Samwise Gamgee. So a few of you got exactly the correct scene, um, but there were a couple of incorrect answers there. So not all of you were 100% right. So I did fox some of you, um, thinking it was either Lurtz or Aragorn. Um, but either way, uh, thank you so much, all of you, for getting in touch. If you didn't get it right this time, better luck next time. And maybe you can have a go by listening to this little clip. So, uh, who speaks next and what do they say? That is all you have to do. Just listen carefully, listen to the background sounds, listen to the music. Who speaks next and what do they say? One final time, but I will put it at the end of the podcast again like I did last time. Who speaks next and what do they say? Email your answers to entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say in this clip. Excellent. That's Riddles in the Dark all tied up, which means it's time to move on and head off to Warhammer World. This is very exciting. I need to don my wig, need to don my beard and my cloak and get into the car in a few minutes time and jump off, run away uh, for a weekend of toy soldiers with a thousand points of ruffians. I've got 139 models to put in my box. It's going to take me ages and I've got videos to do and it's going to be a really busy weekend. Um, if you're following this, uh, you'll be able to see footage of the armies and a bit of context of the game as well um, on my YouTube channel Battle Games in Middle Earth so have a look for that if you're listening now uh, and want a bit of context to go along with the uh, the podcast but I need to go I need to head off on my adventure Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? I can't stop I'm already late late for what? I'm going on an adventure Not Throne of Schools. Not Throne of Schools. It's game number one of Not Throne of Schools or the Battle for Middle Earth here at Warhammer World. Uh, I've got a silly outfit on. Uh, I've got a silly amount of models on the table, 139 ruffians. And I'm playing Tom Wag, who's is becoming a regular on the podcast. Hello. Hi there. Yeah, so um, first of all, 139 models. Uh, tell me what you had and, uh, well, 
what your plan was in uh, Destroy the Supplies, wasn't it called? Yeah. Um, so I have great company, so I have 17 models, which they're all heroes and there's a few choppy guys, but the first few turns I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to defend, so I just, I marched forward, but still shot. Um, I got an opportunity to turn one to take out Sharku, so that was that was good. Um, yeah, that was uh, deploying 139 models meant that I kind of was rushing my deployment and made an amateur mistake of leaving a couple of heroes at the front, which you were really punished. Yeah, I got him, and then I got Harry Goatleaf on turn two, which could shut Aragorn down. So I got the two shutdown heroes out of the way. So then, I, well, other than being shot of combat, I could do what I want with my heroes. Um, first few turns, I just went to the middle and just sort of kill, see how many I can kill. And then I was like, I should probably come up with a game plan. Yeah, yeah, because I've got so many guys that I'm. there's almost no way you can stop me capturing the objectives. And I did get all three of the objectives eventually. Um, and I still had a sea of ruffians by that point. But I guess was your aim to try and break me super quickly so that people ran away? Or what, what, was, the, what was the idea once you developed it? Well, I, could, I was hoping I could break you before you could get to all of them. But there's just too many. You, 70 kills is... Unless I got super lucky with all the heroics, but there wasn't enough of them near me to do that properly anyway, because yeah. they were all over the place. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were in a whole line across the six by four board, so. Yeah, and then we were about three turns to probably go, so probably the turn before I broke you, or I was like, well, I've got to make a plan to get to this middle objective, and I'd sort of got through the defensive line, so, and you were out of might, so I just needed to move through the gaps and get round before you could defend it again. Yeah, absolutely. Once I'd run out of might, there was no way that I could bring bring my guys to provide a sea of bodies. I did get one sea of bodies uh, in front of it once, but then you chopped through that quite quickly. I had another uh, another wave coming, but it just wasn't quite enough. And eventually you did get all the guys on the objective. But um, finally, in the last turn, I actually killed something, which was quite a moment. Uh, I had a big round of applause for that. But I was very close to getting Halber out. He'd been chipped away and chipped away. And because, of course, you start with a banner in this scenario, which, which gives you an advantage. Yeah, yeah um, when I was first looking at it for a while, I thought it was going to be a 6-6 draw. But I did manage to chop through and saw an opportunity. Um, but, yeah, the banner. I, I don't have enough bodies to cover the banner within the ways. Like, I got the best I could. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've got uh, 43 shots uh, in total coming at you, although I never actually had 43 shots and they're never hitting. Yeah. So, uh, But either way, there was, a, there was a couple of squeaky moments where I got, I was looking for a six. I think I probably got like three chances to wound you on the, in the last turn and kill Halbrad, and that would have been really interesting. But it was, it was difficult. I was never yeah. going to really crack through. No, I, I wasn't worried. I, mm, once Sharky and was dead I wasn't too worried about Aragorn losing too much um, even though he fluffed two combats one against one ruffian yeah he did um, but he never lost his wound though that was the crucial thing and, and maybe if I'd have been more cautious with Sharky and hidden him in the early turns I might have gotten a few mobilizers off just just to stem this flow really of the heroic combats and uh, maybe get a chance and knock a, knock a wound off a, a thingy but either way it was a tricky one but it ended up an 8-6 to you I got three of the objectives for six uh, you have a banner, your leader is alive, you killed my leader and you broke me and you were unbroken, so you just, just picked me picked me into the lead. Yeah, just about. I don't even, even if Sharky was still alive, I don't think you even wanted the battlefield-wide standfast at no, the last no. turn. I, I don't think I'd have done his courage check first. No. I think I'd have uh, I just waited until the end and got my guys to run away and end the game. Yeah, that would have been the plan. Um, 
The one thing I could have done in that game is let Worm kill Sharky, but that was too much of a risk. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a really funny moment because you're taking him down with, to one wound with uh, early shooting and Worm was right next to him. It would have been funny to see that, that special rule come into play because none of my ruffian special rules came into play at all because they all just died. But, uh, Tom, it's always a pleasure to play you. Uh, we've had two and a half hours of gaming, a lot of moving of models and courage checks in the end. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and well done and good luck in the next one. You too. So game number two at the Battle for Middle-Earth event, um, not Throne of Skulls, uh, and I'm playing against Amy Barfield. Now, Amy, um, first of all, 1,000 points. What have you brought with you to the tournament this weekend? Um, Halls of Thandral with a Thandral on his elk all kitted out, um, Palace Guard, Mirkwood Cavalry, uh, Legolas with Rangers, and Turiel with a mix of Rangers and Mirkwood Elves. Right, okay. And when you saw the... Oh, and the, Gandalf Oh, well. and Gandalf. Yes, Gandalf. of course, Gandalf the White... Uh, no, Gandalf the Grey <laughs> uh, dropping a blinding light every turn, which was very frustrating. But um, when you saw that you were playing against the 139 ruffians, what did you think? Did you have any strategies? Did you fancy your chances? Um, it's a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's for definite. It's, it's a lot of models to get through. Yeah, it, it really, really is. And your model, you're, you've got quite a lot of models in your army for, a, for an elf army, but it's what, 39, 40? 37. 37. 37, yeah. So 37 models. Um, what, what kind of, what, what was your plan? Did you have a strategy? Because we're playing assassination, so we have to pick a target um, and an assassin to kill them with. Um, try and run Thrandral through as many as I can and then try and uh, Sorcerer's Blast uh, poor Ted with Gandalf. Yeah, okay, so that was your strategy. My strategy was Sid Briarthorn killing Tauriel. Uh, I figured Tauriel's the, the weaker yeah. of them, although I forgot about the Blade Mistress. Um, but because I've just got so many models, uh, it was like a, a wave of, of ruffians heading towards the, the little bit of woodland that um, Tauriel was standing in. And eventually I kind of got there. But in the meantime, you were just really struggling to crack through the sea of uh, ruffians on my right-hand side flank with Tariel, uh, sorry, with Thranduil and the rest of you guys. I mean, it, it really was quite tough. Yeah, it's just a shame that the elk wouldn't fit through the woodland, I don't <laughs> think. So, uh, yeah, he, he went one side and Toriel went the other. So um, it is what it is. She did really well. She held them off until the very last turn. So Yeah, uh, absolutely, phenomenally yeah. Well. Phenomenally well. I mean, Thranduil very nearly crashed through, through everything. But um, Gandalf was kind of just often not in the right place to get to Sid. Yeah. And I think what gave it away with your assassination attempt, you got one attempt, you kind of looked over the building, was like, oh, who's behind there? Oh, is Sid, can I get Sid through the door? And you were like, no, no, we can't get Sid through the door. So, um, oh, sorry, Ted through the door, I keep saying Sid. Um, so, and I was like, okay, I think you're after Ted. <laughs> yep, definitely. It's so difficult when it's assassination because you're going to give it away. I knew you were going for Toriel. Did you? <laughs> so I kept saying, oh, yeah, Legolas is there. Oh, yeah. try Leggy and try and do that. But that didn't work, did it? Everyone goes to, for Toriel first. <laughs> I don't know why. They don't like her. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Bless her. Uh, she, but, but having said that, with her Blade Mistress special rule, she's not easy to surround with lots of ruffians and kill because I've not got anything that strikes. So it's a really hard job to crack through. And she did do some work, but... Um, Sharky doing saving his immobilizations for the last minute to get her an immobiliser, take the Blade Mistress rule away, really helped. Yep, she's just not got enough will to deal with it. That's, yeah. that's what ends her, I'm afraid. So uh, she's great in combat, and that's, that's how she does. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but once she loses that Blade Mistress rule, it's only a matter of time. And I chipped away a bit of might, all that sort of stuff. You had to get moves to get her out of, out of, 
out of dodge a couple of times, but then eventually, although um, my assassin didn't quite do it, he had, him and three friends couldn't quite kill a palace guard and heroic combat off, despite them being trapped, so uh, he couldn't join the fray, but uh, the blade mistress fell anyway, so uh, it worked out in my favour for a 6-1 victory to me. It was, yeah, very well done. It's a really great list. It's quite a fun list to play against. You know what, I was wondering that. awful, but it's actually really fun. I was thinking this. I guess that, it, that just generally it's quite fun going kill another ruffian, kill another... Because it happens every turn. <laughs> it, it does, yeah. You can get through quite a lot of them, but there's so many. It's, but, yeah, it's really great. I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Amy. Well, there you go. 6-1 uh, victory. About 73, 74 ruffians dead this time. Uh, I was broken, but I also managed to break the elves and also take Tauriel off the map for a 6-1 win. So game number three at the Battles for Middle-Earth, not Throne of Skulls. And uh, I'm playing as Andrew Green. So, Andrew, uh, first of all, um, could you just give us a run-through of the uh, the overall uh, list? You've got a 1,000 points to uh, spend. What did you spend it all on? So the theme is the War of Wrath from the end of the First Age. So it's Gil-Glad as hiking the elves at that point, Celeborn, who was presumably around somewhere, and then Gwaihir and another eagle as the sort of representatives of the Valar. Lovely. Uh, I like that the I like the theme is he was there somewhere probably. <laughs> yeah, well he's old enough. Um, it was mainly an excuse to use eagles because when else are you going to? Absolutely, a thousand points is the time to get Gwaihir and the eagles out. Um, and you've got quite a lot of fountain. Uh, sorry, uh, Galadrim Court. You've got a lot of fight six. Um, when you saw that you were playing against numerous ruffians, how did you feel? Uh, a little bit better when it when I realised it meant my spearman could faint with their elven blades and never lose the fight roll off. So that made up for it. Yeah, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. And we're playing hold ground though. Surely not one of your favourite scenarios. We're racing to the middle. It's all about how many bodies you have in the middle right at the end. And even when I'm twenty five percented, which I know the scenario ends unbroken in a one or two, but even then you know I've got a lot of bodies still around yeah I mean it's just the ability to physically fill up the space makes it challenging Um, so I literally could not push in closer at the end just because there were people there it's not so much for numbers it's the board control it gives you yeah yeah I mean having 139 models is absolutely insane for this scenario I mean and even with the eagles I mean I just knew that I'd have to spread out my guys and just get, basically allow your people maybe to charge one per turn-ish. And eventually I thought, if I can hold it off long enough and, and break at the right time, then I have a chance. And, and it worked out perfectly in the end for me. I was very, very lucky in terms of when the game ended. Um, and a couple of little things like um, I managed to shoot out a hobbit from uh, uh, one of the eagles who was going to hurl into the big ball of guys in the centre. And that just kind of saved the game for me, didn't it? Yeah, I think... It was about six more casualties, and you wouldn't have doubled me out, which would have got a draw. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. There's uh, a good chance that the, if the eagle had hurled, um, I mean, he would have hit maybe eight, nine people, yeah. so you're going to get at least four or five, you'd yeah. think. Yeah, and it's that game ending straight away on the break. Yeah. Yeah, we had, we had maybe one turn, one turn more, it would have completely changed it, but it was a minor victory for me. Um, I, I've been asking people, it's 1,000 points and there's 139 models, ridiculous, really. Um, do, do you think it's fun to play against ruffians? Because I, I kind of thought, I, I came up with the idea before thinking, actually, this could be deeply unpleasant to play against, but was it okay? Yeah, it was fun. Um, like, we did just manage to finish in time. I think you've just got to be collaborative. So when we were, move, I was helping move your guys yeah. because it just made the game go quicker. Um, but I think in a shorter time frame, it gets more problematic. To be honest, this is better than 
the sort of 60 model Lake Town lists in a hour half an hour shorter round so it was alright yeah yeah actually it, if this had been two hours long it would have just been there, there would have been no game you wouldn't have because the amount of time it took simply to move my, my guys on the board I mean that took about 15-20 minutes and then there's the first move phase which was another 20 minutes so by that point you, you'd, you'd have lost so much time you wouldn't have had a chance yeah, I mean, the thing with the ruffians is, above all other hordes, they do just die really quickly. Yeah. Like, you can't support their toughness three, so at least you do get to take clumps of models off the table. Yeah, absolutely. And you got, well, you broke me, so it was uh, well over, it must have been 70 or thereabouts in the end, uh, uh, 75, 76. And, and you broke me, you were unbroken, but sadly I did have just over double. I think I had 41 models in the centre, and you had about 18, 19, something like that. So either way, Andrew, uh, thank you very much for the game. I enjoyed it, um, and I'm glad that there was at least some fun to be had playing against this many models. Cheers. So that's uh, the end of day number one here at Not Throne of Schools, uh, the Battles for Middle Earth, uh, as it's being called. And um, I'm home at the Airbnb, and I must say I need to reflect a little bit, um, not on the games, but on the the seminar, I suppose you'd call it, the teaser of uh, the new... Um, Defence of the North book, which looks to be one of the biggest supplements they've done since the um, since I've been doing supplements really since the the start of uh, the new Middle Earth strategy battle game. So I'm really excited. It's like 112 pages, I think they said. So this is up there with Gondor War sized uh, as a book. Um, and there were so many cool teasers. I mean, we got this uh, this clip of uh, Ruzgush and Musgur, these new orc heroes, because we don't have enough of those. And although they look really cool, one of them's an elf bane hero. He's going to uh, be able to give elf bane to the rest of his um, uh, his war band. And he has this elf killing machine where he uh, essentially is. Uh, you never have to. You never gain the bonus for an elven blade against him, which is really cool. So, um, really like that. And the other one is uh, a kind of um, drain the spirit out of your opponent, um, kind of uh, a mage or, or wizard or whatever. Um, I don't know which order, which names they had for each of them. Um, but either way, uh, they're really cool. And he had like wither and drain courage on two plus. I think it was drain courage and three on a wither or something like that and he can get will back every time he f- beats someone in combat which is going to be easier because he's the first two attack and um, priest we've ever had in the game so that's really cool um but also there were hints oh there were so many hints at what's to come i mean hints at either bayon or bayonings and um, because there was a, a thing at the end of the seminar which said bear withers and the bear was italicized so there's something there's a hint there they love to do this sort of thing um also uh, basically the dragon emperor has been confirmed i mean he looks to be ace he's being carried aloft some kind of palanquin and i tell you you don't get a hero with such a huge model uh, in this game if he's not really really good um if he's gonna be good enough to be you know god tier uh, aragorn azog kind of level of character because they're not going to make a new kit at the moment um that's this big and this expensive probably in the region of 60 quid or something if it's made out of forge or resin um i'm guessing that it's just a guess but <clears throat> if, it, if they're going to do that they're going to want people to buy it and they're going to want it to be good for people to want to buy it and by god is that exciting for any easterling player like myself maybe easterlings can be made great again we'll find out um and the, there was hints at even more profiles, way more than we've already seen. So I think they've revealed six so far, including uh, the Dale Heroes, um, the Acolytes, the Dale Knights, which is three, four, 
and um, so that's four so far that have been released plus the two dwarves is six and um, plus there's a obviously going to be a dragon emperor so that's seven and they said there's going to be like 16 or something like that uh so loads and loads um of stuff to be revealed um and to find out more um in the new year um which is just super exciting um as you can tell my throat's starting to cave in um, it, hopefully it won't be a repeat of one of my early podcasts where i completely lost my voice but either way very exciting right let's get back into the games Game four at the Battle for Middle-earth, not Throne of Skulls. And um, we've got Divide and Conquer. So that's the one where half your army deploys in one corner, half the army deploys in the other corner, and the opponent does the same, and you're trying to duke it out over three objectives, the central being worth slightly more than the outer two objectives on the centre line. And um, playing against Martin Slight as well. Good good morning. Morning, it's still morning. Hey, good morning. No, it's lunchtime now because we had a two-and-a-half-hour game. Oh, good lunchtime. Uh, good lunchtime. <laughs> um, first of all, Give us a run over of your army list. Uh, tell me what you've got and I guess, I guess what, what you sort of thought of the game. What, what were your plans? So I'm bringing Last Alliance. I have um, Elendil as the leader. I have uh, Gilgalad on horse. He's leading 18 Kingsguard. Elendil's got eight Numenorians. I brought Kirdan for magical support with five uh, elves armed with spears and bows. And I brought a captain as well for the heroic march. Um, he had five spears with him. Uh, my plan was really to kind of just give up on one of the objectives and just really get the heroes to the middle and try and clear it out as best I could. Um, yeah, one of the objectives was in a very awkward woodland area, so I yeah. could see why you abandoned that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially when I had the banner on the other side of the table as well. I wanted to kind of, I thought I'd be, with a banner I'd be better on the, uh, the left side of the board rather than the woodland side. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, initially, obviously, the, the movement of the ruffians just took so long. I mean, the deployment was a long time, but we're in the, it's got six by four tables, we're in the corner. I mean, it must have been half an hour before uh, everything was fully moved. I mean, with, with that in mind, uh, you know, the clock's running out. Do you think that, that you perhaps went too hard too early, or, or do you, did you love, was that part of the plan? I think it might be the composition of my warband might be a bit of an issue. Having 18 Kings Guard in Gilgalad's uh, list is great, uh, but it's mainly good against heroes. I think when you're against low fight, it, it's not really that important. And maybe having a banner with him would have been better just mm. to win some of the fights a bit more. But um, no, I think it's just just the way it went, really. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, I could sense that it was a slog. And I hope it wasn't an unpleasant experience, but it, it just takes so long to get through turns to. Uh, to you know, kill stuff, and because you're um, the Curtains Warband and uh, the other sort of the other elves over in the other flank, yeah. were Gilgalad's guys were so far away, it, it just felt like that they didn't engage maybe until well even even the last turn some of them didn't reach combat really, so it took yeah. so long. Yeah, um, it's partly because of my indecision not to shoot or to mm. shoot, and it's the trouble when you have a bow and a spear on an elf. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they got in, and when they got in, they started doing it. It was a bit late. I mean, Gilgalai got there a good two, three turns before they did. But um, I'm just glad I kept him on his horse. Yeah, good. yeah, he did He did retain his horse, because I did try and shoot at him quite a few times. Ellendil lost his horse early on, which was really useful. Um, but as you say, you didn't, quite, you didn't get the shooting off early on. So there was a long period of the game where you hadn't killed many more than maybe five or six ruffians. 
one of the flanks was particularly weak as well, and and I kind of exploited that and surrounded all like surrounded the captain twice and um, killed him eventually. Uh, surrounded a few of the sort of the smaller warband. Um, so I, I think I took out a lot of your oomph over one thing. Although one guy did remain stubbornly on the uh, one of the objectives until the very last turn, where you finally didn't roll that six on the shielding elf. Um, but yeah, so I think once that side had collapsed and you hadn't really killed enough models it, it looked like you were probably never going to break me just because i mean how many models have you killed you've got 20 27 kills and that's still 30 or so to break me it's just it's yeah. just so hard to do that yeah i think you need really against something like this i think you need something with like monstrous attacks or good charges a lot of cavalry that kind mm. of thing just to multiply your damage well and also just to be in the middle all yeah. in the middle because this sort of spreading out over the table has really helped me surround everyone and to, to get the shots into combats which I haven't really managed to do in the previous games yesterday so I think that, that and, and of course I've got an, two little annoying characters uh, Saruman or Sharky I'm dressed as and Harry Goatleaf and Harry Goatleaf managed to immobilise although not immobilise Elendil twice on a three up he just stops him from moving and it's unresistible that is pretty mean yeah it's, it's one of those things um, I think part of my issue is I've realised with the list building I, I've built Elendil's warband to complement Gilgalad's warband and unfortunately because of the way we deploy mm. they were literally across from each other and they never met up so you got the strength four from the Numenor never actually met up with the high fight of the of the king's yard yeah so um it was it really was divided and conquered that way yeah I, absolutely I think I did manage that and and because the ruffians are so good at just taking the brunt of your fight and not really caring I, I managed to save almost all my might to the late game there's still some left to spend actually I've got yeah. some on Sid some on um, Sharky. So I just had once once Ellen Dillard, um, you avoided the uh, well, one time you spent all, all your might on one combat just to avoid uh, losing the uh, losing the fight and maybe losing some wounds. In retrospect, I, I think that that was definitely the wrong decision. If you'd have if you'd have kept some of that might, maybe maybe you would have taken a wound or two, you'd have still been alive um, and you'd have had a lot more might to. Um, to call those moves and get them into combat and all that sort of stuff, and Harry Goatleaf wouldn't have been as effective. Yeah, it was a it was a desperation to keep moving, keep knocking people away from the centre of the thing, but because yeah. there was more coming at that point from the left flank where they'd taken control, yeah. uh, it was more just to try and keep enough room so when the elves did arrive that they could kind of try and pour mm. in and take the middle, but yeah. never and, really happened. And sadly, just just two or three turns of um, Elendil and Gilgalad not quite killing enough people. Yeah meant that I just had enough bodies to send in and by the time that all, all the guys had come into the middle it was uh, an overwhelming number of uh, ruffians in the centre so it ended up a 7-0 victory I had more models in the centre but not enough uh, but you still had some guys in the middle I also had both outer objectives which gave me two points each for those so a win but no one uh, broke and no one lost their leader but Martin it, 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 was, it was a fun game it was a really interesting one um, sorry about all the movement <laughs> but other no, than that right. it was good, good. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you. It was good. I Thanks. did have a good time. Thanks for the game. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So game number five, the final game of the Battle for Middle-Earth, not Throne of Schools, uh, and playing up against Luke. And Luke, you, uh, you have a few Ents in your army, but what else do you have for 1,000 points? Give, a, give us a rundown of your list. For 1,000 points, yeah, three Ents, Treebeard and Beachbone in there. Uh, Celeborn leading a small bunch of Wood Elves, uh, none of them armoured, just standard Wood Elves with, with cloaks, and Haldir uh, as well with a bunch of archers, and that was about it. So it's, it's a very Wood Elfy list, there's lots of Fangorny stuff, uh, I like the theme, lots of cool stuff, and you've done a really 
really smart conversion with your uh, Kelleborn model to inspired by the Children of Turin book, is that right? That's correct. That's Yeah, that's very kind. Um, so yeah, it's inspired by Turin Turumba uh, from the Children of Turin. Uh, the conversion is a, yeah, a ranger of the north with kind of an elf spearman head uh, converted to have the, sort of the big golden dragon crest. Uh, and the black sword, which is represented by Glam Glamdering. Uh, but yeah, he's been a bit of a beast this this, this game, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did do some work. He did go down in the end. But um, generally, and the, you know, we're playing Lords of Battle, so this is probably the worst scenario I can play, really. Um, but when you came up against the ruffians, what did you think? Did you expect a certain kind of game ahead of you, or or did you kind of think you had it in the bag from game uh, from turn one? Well, I, yeah, I don't know. People typically expect it to be an easy game against the ruffians, but actually it's quite intimidating going up against over 100 models. So I thought, to be honest, that you might have just swamped me and quite easily surrounded me, lots of trapped attacks and just, just wiped out my army. But um, actually the elves held up quite well, lots of sixes in the combats to win, killed a few, um, and the, the Ents, of course, just bludgeoning everything that came their way and hurling. So, yeah, it went it went better than I expected, actually. Oh, that's interesting, because, I, I mean, I thought I'm coming up against, if you've got three Ents, I've just got no chance of winning. Like that's, That was my kind of way. I, the only thing I thought was, if I can take down your Wood Elves, focus on your Wood Elves. So I swung one flank around this tree, in this, uh, sorry, this Rohan building in the centre to try and clamp down on your uh, Kelleborn force. And to be fair, it's, at the end of the game, none of them are remaining. So I did that, and I've still got a lot of ruffians there. But in the process, I, I lost 80 or so models. So And, and most of those were lost due to Treebeard and uh, and the two Ents. I mean, uh, Beachbone and Treebeard probably killing at least four or five a turn uh, each, which was which was doing a lot of the legwork for you. Yeah, it definitely was doing a lot of the legwork. And uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I've I played a game with these Ents against another like swarm horde army just before this, the, the chittering horde of uh, Goblin Town. Yeah, they've got like 150 models 150, or and they very quickly in one combat surrounded Treebeard and killed him. And right. I thought the same could happen here, but I think you just didn't quite get the, the attacks off and not, not, not enough uh, strikes on him to do it. So I think I was quite lucky with that. That's true. And, and I did struggle with courage a little bit to try and surround them. So I didn't always get as many as I would like in there. I mean, I, and, and I kind of under in ways to do it maybe if I'd have just charged enough guys in every turn um, but I did spend a couple of turns charging one in shooting him stopping you heroic combating yeah I was I was surprised by the tactic I never really play it as, as an evil player but kind of just firing into your own combats and killing a lot of your own men which in a way I think actually helped me um, potentially but but yeah I think uh, had you managed to surround the Ents it you know it only takes me rolling you know a three four high combat for you to win and, and trap him and strike the hell out of him but yeah to be fair you did roll a few of those so I probably should have exploited it more maybe that that's something to think about for future uh, things. Um, I want to ad- address Haldir and his, his archers. You, you deployed them quite far away in this little uh, farmstead with like four walls, uh, little sort of walls and a little farm in the middle, um, a little empty field essentially. Um, and you were, your aim was to sort of machine gun me from afar. I, I'm not convinced that was the right decision because uh, it meant Haldir with his three points of might was really far away. You had a lot less bodies in the centre to kind of uh, peel, peel off combats and things like that. What what, what were you thinking there, and do you think that you, you were right? Uh, honestly, I think I was more afraid of the amount of archers that you had, but actually they didn't really come into play, so I thought with my elven cloaks I'll just hide behind the wall, and you know, I've only got six archers and you've got you know, however many, like a bunch. So, 49, 49, I think it is. Yeah. So I was a bit outgunned, actually, but um, yeah, in the end you kind of stood well clear of them, so I didn't get many shots off. They kind of just stood in the back as kind of a back guard, but yeah, perhaps I could have used the points more wisely to get stuck in somewhere else. I think so, but then on, on the other hand, you're right there, they were completely invulnerable from bow fire for me. The same with your guys, because I was thinking at first, actually, yeah, a bow, bow fire, I, I'd like my chances, because you're defence three, I'm defence three. You, yeah, you're winning me on fours in a shot, but I've got 
three times as many bows as you. So I did like my chances there, but then you just deployed behind the fence and I couldn't see you because you were open close. So I just had to send everyone in and regardless of whether they're armed with a bow, they all get shoved in to come back the same. Yeah, well, that's it. I suppose with ruffians, you're used to being the lower defence army, but actually we were both low defence yeah. in this case. So I, I also was trying to kind of protect my men from being, and I don't have, you know, 80 men to spare. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to kind of keep them covered. Um, but, you know, I think they still killed probably one or you know probably a couple of men each which you know makes up the numbers in the end for for this scenario so yeah, yeah absolutely they, they did the work and they were avoiding getting killed by uh, in the time so you know i really had to focus down on your ents and on on the heroes and stuff like that like like caliban so uh, either way um, you did end up taking the win i can't remember the score it was 10-1 10-1 because i i mean i had 80 dead uh, you had 20 i did break you so you that's did. something um so i got the 10-1 um, for the breakage, uh, but um, Sharky ran away in the end, which did uh, did cause the leader kill, which was a shame because uh, had he stood around, then I would have uh, saved a few extra VPs. But either way, uh, Luke, it was a, it was a great game. Really enjoyed it. Ho- hopefully, you didn't find it oppressive playing so many models, <laughs> especially after playing a 150 point horde of goblins as well. Yeah, no, not at all. I actually really enjoyed it. I was a bit gutted that Sharky got away from fleeing. I was kind of hoping to cut him down, but yeah. no, he, he made it. Uh, but I still got the points for it. But no, it honestly really enjoyed it. I never play these kind of armies usually so it's nice to play against the sort of the hordes and the ruffians that you never see so um, yeah great game thanks well thank you very much Luke that's what Throne of Skulls is all about bringing something a bit odd and I've certainly enjoyed playing with the ruffians so Throne of Skulls or not Throne of Skulls has finished it's the battle for Middle Earth and it is over but we can leave with only one winner and it's Kalman Steals right everyone Kalman um, I got you here post interview you you looked overwhelmed when you when you stepped up for that award how did you feel uh, I just felt my face going really really red <laughs> it was really re- massive shock massive shock I mean I'm really humbled to be honest I mean I took champions of Erebor I mean some games were really one-sided to me as well and it was just like yeah, I'm speechless. I really am. I was not expecting that at all. Because um, Throne of Schools or not Throne of Schools um, takes account, into account not just your gamesmanship, but um, you know favourite army votes. So people who've, who've obviously thought highly of your army, um, they've also thought you were a really nice guy as well. So those all really skew the results. So I mean, in terms of games, how many did you win? So I mean, how how does that push you up the rankings? I suppose I lost my first one and then won the next four. Um, yeah, and there were like some majors, some minors. It was a minor loss in my first one. But just, they were great games. They were really, really good. I, I really am speechless. <laughs> it's great. And, and Thorin's Company, you're no stranger to Dwarves, though. You've used these guys before. I mean, do you enjoy playing with this army? Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm even thinking now of just scrapping my idea for next weekend at Sterling. I'm just taking these guys at 200 points down. Um, the reason I took them this weekend is because it's the first time I've ever been able to take all of Champions of Erebor at a thousand points I've never been able to use all of them because they all combo off each other don't they and it was, it's such good fun to play it's a, it's a nightmare for Mike Will Fate because you've got 13 guys to track yeah. they all give Mike Will back and wombs and backs and stuff like that um, but it's, it was really really fun I mean obviously you know some of the missions are quite down against that. our armies are exact opposite really yeah, in yeah, model yeah. count <laughs> well exactly yeah in terms of model counts I mean the, the objective armies must be uh, objective games must have been really tricky for you so you, you've pulled off something quite impressive well the, the first game was an absolute laugh I played Goblin Town at 150 plus models and I had 13 at destroy the supplies so I thought oh, I'll just run at his supplies and kind of forget my own and I think he brought on 50 plus goblins Ooh. and it was just yeah and I killed 111 slowly wearing them down and then the timer ran out <laughs> before I could despo- destroy any supplies um, and I think the other one was Divide and Conquer I think was the other objective one wasn't it that's not too bad out of the three in that pool 
that's probably the best one for 13 models because I can capture two objectives and kind of hold on to them and not go for all three. Absolutely. I mean, so I was lucky with that draw. Lucky with that draw. And that, that's, that's in terms of the games. And, and you've, I've, I've always been very impressed by your, your style in terms of painting as well. I mean, you've, you've got this lovely little display board and you've got a very unique style, like kind of almost very bright colours. Yeah, it's very cartoony, isn't it? It looks great on Space Marines. Yeah. It's very, yeah, I, I, I'm very anti-dry brushing. I think it's lazy for myself. I love, obviously, what people can do with the effects is incredible. But I always like if they've got hair, I'll paint each individual strand. And it's very much like, if it's orange, it's orange. If yeah. it's blue, it's blue kind of thing. Yeah, so it, um, it kind of comes across. It looks good from a tabletop perspective. I would never get too close to my models yeah. because that's when you'll see all the mistakes. But from a, a, if you're walking past the table, I like to think they look quite appealing because they're bright. I, exactly, and an all-round, um, I, I guess, all-rounder in terms of games, you know, because uh, it means that you get the votes for being a nice guy, because we know you're a nice guy, we're talking, <laughs> talking to you now, you know, you're, you're approachable and, and fun on the tabletop, and, uh, and you're painting as, as of a high, ta- high, high quality, I mean, I think calling it tabletop standards is probably doing it a disservice, to be honest, and then winning four games at an event where there were a lot of objective scenarios with so few models, and playing for the full theme, you know, you've even gone with a ginger beard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a dwarf, and, and, a dwarf and the touring map shirt. I mean, I, I, you know me, I devote to dwarves. Yeah. Um, it was just surreal. I, there are a few armies I would like to have played. Like, I, really, I do miss the grudge match mm. that wasn't here this year. And I was genuinely going to challenge Steve Crow because he had a lovely Gundabad army with yeah, Azog and with the monsters. Yeah, yeah and my, my army obviously is charging out of Erebor, so I thought that would be amazing. So I think that's been missed this tournament. Um, I would have liked to have played you, <laughs> 130-something ruffians. That yeah. would have been interesting. And I think it was quite close, actually, in terms of... Um, I was uh, talking to Jay at lunchtime, and he was saying, oh, it's it's pretty close, it could be you, because I think we ended on similar um, uh, scores uh, just before the final game. So that would have been a very interesting one. Well, yeah, because it was Lords of Battle as well, yeah. so that would have been a You'd bit, have, tr- you'd a have turned through me. As well. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true, so. but, but I have to say, Jay just came up to myself and Damien just now and just said, like, I only came first by, I think, one TP. I think the difference was I had a major win and Damien had a major or a minor win. Yeah. So that's, like, the difference. So it, apparently, like, the podium's incredibly close. Yeah. And that just shows, like, obviously the effort you and Damien have gone to this weekend is incredible just like to say at the moment while Harry's interviewing me he's currently dressed as Sharky yeah. <laughs> yes this is true this is true I have got the beard and the hair and everything and, and a it, bigger beard than me at the moment yeah, and that, it's that, true that, and, and mine, is, mine is strapped on yours is attached to your face one, at least mine's one of the biggest in GBHL but you're putting me to shame at the moment indeed yeah <laughs> I, I mean it has been a pain in the ass playing with beard because it's been trailing all over the models and the table and all that sort of stuff but it is fun and that's what Throne of Skulls is all about is you know is bringing the theme armies and, and having a bit of fun with it and actually I haven't seen any armies that I felt like aren't particularly themey though most of them have, have got a clear theme yeah, some yeah. have gone Absolutely. full theme and you know Damien has gone wearing the dress and uh, the dress he's <laughs> dressed co- as a tree best beard costume, yeah, best yeah, costume, yeah, yeah. costume and all that sort of stuff so and, and I guess that's what we've missed with, with this tournament not being here last year is that you know Throne of Skulls is back and it might be in another name but it's a great great tournament to come to oh 100% and I was saying to Josh earlier today the best thing about it is there's, you can just take your foot off in a way you, you know there's no expectation to play competitive you are just coming for a laugh and I think because this is the first Warhammer event after Covid there is kind of like an atmosphere at the moment you could probably attest to that especially last night as well at the at the, um, at the, at the pub quiz that's it yeah the pub quiz it just felt different it felt like everybody was really happy to be here it's just been a fantastic weekend and, and just before we go we had a, a, an announcement last night at the um, Warhammer World uh, the seminar thing 
Um, the, the, there's loads of new stuff. Defence of the North. You're a big dwarf player. Are you excited to Defence of the North? Oh, absolutely. Oh, who isn't? It's got, it's got to be a fan favourite because obviously it's not shown in the films. It's only mentioned by that that one passage from Legolas saying to Gimli, you know, war marches on their lands. Um, the people who have read in the books know it's actually quite a major plot point in Sauron's game. Um, so I, I've got a feeling this could be their biggest expansion. Yeah. I mean, ju- just from the statistics they showed us yesterday, what is it, like 26 new profiles, is it, or something crazy? Yeah. Was it 16? Was it 16 profiles, 20-something scenarios, 112 pages, I think it was. Six legendary legions, yeah. we could probably guess what they are, but it's going to be huge. I'm really excited. And really. there's loads of cool new dwarves, loads of cool leaselings. We can't wait. And, yeah, yeah, uh, Cameron, yeah. I, I'm distracted from uh, the, your achievement here, but uh, well done on winning um, not Throne of Schools because it's quite an achievement. I, I've, I've been there as well. I was just a shot when I won it, and I'm glad that you've got the same impression. Thank you. Yeah, I know of your legend. It was your first tournament, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, pretty much more. One of my, second or third. Something. Oh, go on. That, yeah, it's it very impressive when you won it. it was the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. But, no, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. So there you go, Throne of Schools, or not Throne of Schools, it's Battles for Middle-Earth or something along those lines, um, and uh, it's all over and done with. I, you know what, I'm, I am, I'm actually quite proud of, um, of the performance of the Ruffians, as you heard there, uh, the crescendo of, of the tournament. It's, um, it, I, just did, I, I, I actually won, um, won quite a few games. I got three out of five games, um, which I'm just over the moon about because I wasn't expecting a lot um, from, from the tournament. I really wasn't. And um, in terms of wins, anyway, and I actually did all right, so that's really exciting. Um, I the, t- the end result was sixteenth um, with eighteen total game score. So the game score uh, it was six for a major win, five for a minor win, and one for a minor loss. Um, I don't know what was for a draw actually. Um, I don't know if it's even possible to get points for a draw. Uh, it must have been three or something like that. Anyway, um, so I got eighteen. So that's uh, two major wins and a minor. Uh, sorry. Yeah, is that right? A major win, a minor win, and a minor loss um, out of five games, which I'm pretty happy with. Um, but then, of course, uh, the that that I would be really happy with that, and that would actually put me fairly close to the top quarter, although not exactly. Um, and then you you take into account um, sportsmanship and army presentation scores. So it says sportsmanship. The thing on the clip uh, the slip said favorite game so um you choose your favorite two games um so it's not necessarily saying that anyone's unsportsmanship which is um fair enough um but uh, essentially um i got two i think it was two favorite game votes um so yeah two favorite game votes which is ace out of five and uh one um favorite army vote so um obviously the mishmash i think the mishmash of paint schemes probably worked against me because i'm pretty happy with the paint jobs i think they did well but the mishmash of color schemes does uh take away from the unified thing but also i'm it would be unfair of myself to compare myself to some of the other armies um out there because they were absolutely outstanding i mean there's so many beautiful armies i mean almost every single person in the field got a vote for um uh, for their, their their sort of favorite armies and favorite um favorite games in fact i think everyone uh, got a favorite game vote um maybe one or two people didn't um so that's that's nice to hear that, that you know that generally the consensus was good but it also meant the competition was fierce uh, for everything including sportsmanship i mean um the uh, congratulations to sam devonish who got um three, is that three he got 15 points on sportsmanship so that means every single one of his games um he played against people who thought that they they had a favourite game against him, which is amazing. Um, I don't know what he was doing because he was playing Easterlings and he came third. Um, 
I really need to get some Tim tips from this guy. And uh, so I, I hope, and, and I know I played his brother as well, so I really should. Um, uh, Luke was uh, Luke with his brother, I think. Um, maybe, I'm hopefully I'm not getting that completely wrong. Yeah, I think, I think he was. Um, Luke the, with the Fangorn and the Lothlorien. Um, so I really should get some tips off Sam. But either way, he he, he obviously was a lovely person. Um, he played his games really well as well, so he won three games or uh, something like that. And... Um, got two minor losses so he's done really well he got sportsmanship votes and his army uh, presentation he got a couple of votes for that as well so amazing but um as we spoke to calman there i mean you heard on his voice he just was so overwhelmed and um, he had no idea that he was going to get that uh, do that well i mean it was impressive because um he got 24 total points from his game score so that's four wins um or yeah four four wins in total um which is just which is amazing uh, out of five uh, with the Thorin's company and he got four sportsmanship votes so four people reckoned it was their best uh, his best army and four army presentation votes so it was amazing and um, credit to um, to Damien O'Byrne though who was literally one point behind him um, in both in he got the same amount of army presentation and um, favourite game votes but just um, got one minor win um got a minor win where Kalman got a major win and or something like that so the 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 standard of of competition um if you can call it competition was absolutely amazing i mean it's there's some beautiful armies there were some lovely people and you know it was just a great great tournament every single person i played had i had a great time against so you know that's from uh, tom wag uh, with the gray company at the start uh, amy as well with her halls of thrandral list martin with his rivendell and his numenorians andrew with his his strange uh, but really cool rivendell lothlorien misty mountains list uh, and of course martin um oh wait i've already said martin haven't i Yes, yeah, sorry, I already said Martin. Uh, uh, Luke, uh, of course, I think is the person I'm missing. Uh, if I've said anyone twice or or not, I, I apologise. Um, Luke uh, with the Fangorn and Lothorian. So uh, all of them had really cool armies, really nice ideas. Um, uh, the conversions were great. The paint schemes were all fantastic. Um, and we had some display boards to play against as well. So genuinely, I, I couldn't ask for a better weekend to play with my uh, ruffians. And the worst thing about the weekend was having to move 139 models um, and deploying in Maelstrom and deploying in Divide and Conquer. That was the most unpleasant thing I had to do, uh, which which really says a lot. I mean, when your deployment phase uh, with your stupid army is the biggest problem, yeah, then you've had a great weekend, haven't you? So uh, I'm really, really chuffed for everyone involved. And um, I had a great time and I can't wait to go back. And I need to come up with something equally dramatic, equally amusing perhaps equally entertaining um, to come up with for next year. It won't be like a painting challenge because I want to have something a bit more normal, I think. But either way, it was great. A uh, thousand points, five games and one hell of a weekend. And with that in mind, um, that's me done for um, probably maybe this year. Um, excuse me. Uh, maybe this year. Um I, I can't sadly go to the GBHL League finale, which um, I was really looking forward to. Um, so I I can't do that anymore because it's in Scotland and it's really expensive. And um, my work due is that weekend, which is a lot cheaper. Uh, so I'm doing that instead. And sadly, I can't go to the uh, GBHL finale. Uh, best of luck to everyone involved uh, in that. Uh, I'd love to go back to Stirling and eat haggis uh, for every meal like I did last, last time, but I can't do that. So it means that my next uh, podcast um, about a tournament will be in January. 
Um, but I'm almost certain I'll be able to squeeze some games in and maybe some Quest of the Ringbearer content um, in the month of December with Tim or um, some other local games. So the podcast will keep on trundling along and maybe we'll squeeze in some gaps in the middle. Um, but also keep your eye on my YouTube channel. First of all, uh, today, uh, when this is this podcast is released, uh, if you're listening to it, you can also go and watch the video where you'll be able to see uh, the ruffians you'll be able to see um you'll be able to see my opponents uh, armies and you'll be able to see some of the the footage of uh, some of the bits and bobs that happen and how the kind of the games progress so uh, if you want a bit of extra content about the ruffians then please feel free to head over to battle games in middle earth on youtube and hit that subscribe button on there because um i've got something very exciting coming um without teasing too much ahead remember how i interviewed rick Priestley, and remember how i interviewed the perry twins that's all i'll say hit the subscribe on the youtube channel and you won't miss what's coming up with that in mind thank you very much for listening to another podcast boo rum.